0: Matt Lautner coming to you live on a Tuesday night, March 21st. I'm in Bloomington, Indiana, making the rounds in the state of Indiana, MLC Farm Visits. And uh, tonight, Don Cooper from SEK Genetics in Galesburg, Kansas has agreed to come back on and Uh, visit about um, some springtime hurdles that some breeders are uh, needing to address and be aware of and overcome. So, uh, Don, I'll just give you the floor, and we'll see where the conversation takes us, okay? Well,
1: I saw you at the Ohio Beef Expo, and while I was there, a couple of guys came up to me that were uh, picking up some semen, actually, and uh, were asking about problems they were seeing in their cow herd. They were having some abortions. And we got to talking about different possibilities, problems that could have caused what they were seeing, uh, which was pregnancy loss after the cows had been diagnosed pregnant. And and one of them was asking me what could be possibilities. And I said there were several possibilities, of course. Um, but the one that sounded most like uh, the problem he was experiencing is caused by a parasite called Neospora, and it's a really common cause of pregnancy loss. And it's not one that a lot of people are aware of, or at least not as aware of it as they might be, because there's really no way to vaccinate for it or wormers that you can use to kill that parasite. And I thought it would be interesting to, you know, to bring that up and outline it to people. I speak about it a lot to groups because it is a really common cause of pregnancy loss.
0: Tell the audience what they can do to uh, go about identifying whether they have it or what they can do to try to keep from getting it.
1: Okay, so the problem with Neospora is is that unlike the kind of parasites that you treat with ivermectin, for instance, or valbacin or one of the benzimidazoles, is that it's a it's a protozoa, really a coccidian parasite, and it causes spontaneous abortions in cattle, pregnant cattle, usually mid to late term. It can really be as early as probably three or four months, but it's more typically uh, a problem that manifests itself later in gestation. And what it is, is it's this, this uh, protozoa, this toxidian parasite, and cattle pick it up from dogs, foxes, and coyotes. They're the definitive host. There's a variety of animals that are intermediate hosts, like the cattle are, like cattle are, but the definitive hosts are dogs, foxes, and coyotes. And those animals, the, the canines, uh, become infected. And then they shed these infected eggs in their stool, and cattle pick it up by eating contaminated feed stuff. I mean, a lot of people have seen coyotes on top of big round bales. I've shot coyotes off of big round bales before because they get up there and I suppose look for rabbits or mice or rats or whatever they're doing. And then they defecate on the bales, contaminating the bales, and then cattle – eat that hay, and pick up that parasitic egg, which results in an infection. That's called horizontal transmission. You'll hear people refer to it. Another very common way is cows that are infected with this parasite, this neospora parasite, if they don't abort the the pregnancy and they have a live calf, about 90 or 95% of those calves, even though they appear normal, will be infected with that parasite for life, and that's called vertical transmission but not always will calves born alive be normal you'll see birth defects you'll see animals that that act like you know they don't have the ability to nurse and sometimes starve to death i would say that if you have cattle that are infected with neospora probably 20 to 50% of those cows will lose a calf every year and to illustrate that point i recently bought 74 heifers from a guy with the understanding i'd pre-check them when i got them home Anything that wasn't pregnant, I wouldn't keep. So these cattle came from Parsons, Kansas, which is only 15 miles south of the ranch where, you know, we have the clinic. And of those 74 cows or heifers, first calf heifers, two of them were open. We had diagnosed all of those 74 pregnant back in November. We actually did the pregnancy work on them, um, ultrasounded them. So no question they were pregnant. Back in November, I bought them. They were supposed to calve the first of March. I bought them early in February. Two of them were open. We pulled blood on all 74 and tested them for persistently infected BVD and Neospora. None of them were PIs, but 10 of them were infected with Neospora. The two heifers that were open were both Neospora uh, parasitized and eight of the others. Six of those have already had calves, which means that of that 74 heifers, 13.5% of them were infected with this problem. So it's really common, much more common than like persistently infected BVD, much more common. You see a lot of it, and it's spread all over the country. It'll be in Ohio, Iowa, Kansas, Arkansas. I bought uh, a potload of heifers last fall that were de- that were delivered to the ranch the 23rd of September. There was 119 of them. We lost one, so we down to 118. We sold 68 of them into the grass market last month the very end of February, we kept 50. The 50 that we kept back, we tested those for Neospora, and these are heifers from Virginia now. Four of the 50 were infected, So we sold those too. That's 8%. So I would tell you that it's very common to find herds that will be between 5 and 10% of the cows they own will be infected. It's this parasite. It's very, very common in the United States. It's one of the most common cause of pregnancy loss, and most people aren't very aware of it at all.
0: If you get it in your herd, what is the protocol? Get rid of
1: them? you should test your open cows at the end of your at the end of your breeding season. you know test your cows and see which ones are pregnant, which ones aren't. The ones that aren't pregnant probably need to find a job at McDonald's making quarter pounders because they're not going to raise a cap for you, but even then, the pregnancy status on the initial pregnancy status on Neospora-infected cows is probably as good as the pregnancy status on uninfected cows initially because the, the abortions occur, occur due to neospora mid to late term, typically three or four months of gestation and later. So really what we recommend, what I recommended to the clients that we're working with here locally, and we do a lot of that, is you should pull blood on those heifers that you're thinking about keeping back for uh, replacement females, Test them for at least persistently infected BVD, which is a terrible problem. We can cover that sometime. And Neospora. If you find Neospora carriers and you raise them, you are just about certain that the cows that they're out of are also Neospora carriers. And if you find Neospora carriers in your heifers, those are not good candidates for motherhood down the road. They'll disappoint you more often than cows that aren't. So... By by screening those heifers with a blood test, and that's what it is. It's a blood test. It's an ELISA test. You can pull a blood sample from the animals, usually in a red red top tube, a clot tube, and send it to a lab. We do a lot of that kind of work at the the lab at the clinic. I mean, we do thousands of those a year. Hell, for that matter, thousands a month. And, And people that are aware of it test for that problem and get rid of those animals. If you'll do that, you'll eventually get rid of that problem in your herd for the most part. You will occasionally have an animal picked up from the environment, but most of the transmission comes from infected cows. And you can so, get rid of those cows just by screening. The test is cheap. It's, I think we charge 450 for it, but it's pretty inexpensive. It really is. I
0: would usually uh, throw this in at the end of the podcast, but since you're specifically talking about the testing you can get done. Uh, what is the email address or the phone number to call to order these? Uh, like
1: 800-443-6389 or 620-763-2211. Just ask for anybody. They can pitch onto the lab people. But, I mean, yeah. basically you can get those blood tubes, needles, and syringes from about, you know, any veterinary supply house. I would caution people when they're pulling blood on these animals, tail bleeding is the easiest way to do that. And you can find videos online that, show, that will show you how to tail bleed. And that's really just something that requires some practice. But, but you really want to be careful about always using a very clean, brand-new needle and syringe on every cow. Because if you tail bleed one cow that's got, for instance, anaplasm, and you bleed the next cow with the same needle and syringe, she's going to have anaplasm too. So you want to be pretty careful about that kind of, you know, being careful and clean.
0: Getting them pregnant and keeping them pregnant is yes. uh, the number one name of the yes. game, and it's uh, a big
1: deal. It really long is.
0: before calf quality or all the other things that can go wrong uh, can go wrong. Uh, we need to get them bred and keep them bred. So uh, this has been a really educational deal. Um, yeah, do you good. have anything else that you want to touch on, Don? I would tell you that this is this is really kind of low hanging fruit
1: in the cattle problem business. Because it's not very contagious, it's pretty easy to control. Basically, you just test with it, and it's one of those things where, if you if you if you have cows that you knew were pregnant or heifers that you knew were pregnant, and then they don't deliver a calf close to when you thought they would, this is one of the diseases that you should be investigating for. This is one of your very first rule because it's an extremely common problem of abortion loss in the United States, all over the world really but especially around in the, in the southern and eastern parts of the United States, very common.
0: So what else is new and exciting at the SCK Genetics?
1: It's raining finally, and we need it badly. I mean, it didn't rain a lot today, but we're finally getting some moisture, so we'll have grass this spring. We were terribly dry last fall. We need a couple of good two-inch rains to fill some ponds, which we haven't had, but it's wet enough we're going to have grass, which, trust me, this time – Six months ago, we were desperately dry, desperately dry, but we're in better shape now.
0: Yeah, the last man. Uh, episode number was number two twenty-five. We are this podcast will be number two fifty. So twenty-five episodes ago, uh, we did the history for the audience that hasn't uh, listened to that previously. I encourage them to go back and listen to number two twenty-five.
1: And oh, about uh, cloning, Don, about cloning, you mean?
0: Yeah, Don's recapping of the two thousand three year where he took five full flush clones to Denver and had national um, media coverage of the uh, cloned animals, just just some really great historical content, and uh, I just encourage everybody to go go back and listen to it if they haven't already. So we'll uh, try and do this once every week or two, depending on your schedule, Uh, just in terms of educational content, if you have time, I think it's really rewarding for the audience, and I learned a lot tonight that uh, I'll be implementing in me and my wife's own cow-calf program. So thank you very much, Don, and I look forward to the future ones that we do, okay? Thank you, Matt. Talk to you later. I'll like you back.